Friends, as we gather this morning for our sermon, I'm standing here at the very place where soon we will have a campfire ministry here at Kirk in the Hills, a campfire ministry that's being inspired, I guess you would say, by our pandemic, a pandemic that says, let's be outside a little bit more as we gather for ministry. So we look forward to young people gathered around a campfire and older people too, gathered around a campfire here at this place. And it's fitting because today's sermon will be touched a bit by a campfire. Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said this morning that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said this morning that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing, obey. Amen. As we close out the summer, we might be looking back with a bit of regret. And the beaches weren't the same this summer. The lawn parties were much smaller if we even had them at all. Campers for the most part didn't get to go to camp. And for someone that went to camp as a camper, a counselor or director every year until my mid thirties, this was a particularly bitter pill to swallow. Our camp growing up was simple, but it taught me everything. It didn't have a waterfront beach or a sailing program or fancy excursions, but it taught me about life and love and friendship and gratitude. I can't believe kids didn't get to go to camp this year. How will they really learn about love and friendship in a year when every day seemed like just another monstrous fight? How will they, how will they learn to be grateful? How will we learn to be grateful when so much seems to have been taken away this year and threatened to be taken away over and over again. Well, every night at my camp, after campfire is over and the campers sing their goodnight song, they all scream the same thing together. Thank you, God, for the sky you gave us. <laughs> it started during one obnoxiously rainy week. We sat around a smoldering campfire on damp wooden benches looking at the gray sky, but rather than lament for the starry night sky that we were hoping for, we considered how lucky we were to have that place and to have one another. And we decided to be thankful for the sky that we had. We learned that so often gratitude is a decision. And so since that night, every campfire ends. Every camper knows that every campfire ends by shouting, thank you, God, for the sky you gave us. And it is about this time every year that the camper in all of us, even the old fogies like me, we get the itch to be back to that land and back to that grass under that imperfect sky to get back to our, our promised land. Joshua knew something about the promised land. He had been handled, handed the mantle of leadership from Moses and it was his job to get the people of Israel there to the promised land. And, and here in the fifth chapter of Joshua, the Lord tells him, today I have rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt so that that place is called Gilgal to this day. 
I have rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt. And so that place is called Gilgal to this day. Was this their promised land, a place called Gilgal? Gilgal is a strange word. Gilgal is not something you want to name your child. Gilgal actually comes from the Hebrew word galal, which means to roll away. In Genesis, in fact, this word is used to describe how a shepherd rolls a stone away from a well so that the sheep can drink. And so Gilgal is the place where God has rolled the stone so that the sheep can drink. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, after thousands of meals of manna, after the death of Moses after the emergence of their new leader, Joshua, after crossing the river Jordan and taking their first steps in the promised land, they had finally come to the place where God had rolled the stone away. They were there and surely they would be drinking from a bottomless well of merriment here in their promised land. Only that it isn't. Their arrival at Gilgal does not mark the end of a journey. After all this even, their arrival at this place where God has rolled the stone away marks the beginning of the conquest. And from here, the Israelites will go to Jericho and they'll take that city by force. And then they'll head to the city of Ai where they'll face another battle. And the battles will keep coming and the kings will keep coming. And they will, they'll continue to be fighting and the Israelites will be scared and they'll be worried and they'll be confused. And even after all of that, Life is never perfect for the Israelites. I mean, even to this day, the land flowing with milk and honey is about the most imperfect place as any place you can live in the world. But, but those Israelites standing there on the banks of the River Jordan are a testament of how God brings us so far and God provides for us so adequately, that God protects us so well, that God loves us so deeply, that God blesses us so richly, even when it feels like we are not quite where we expected that we would be. Life as we know it is not quite what we expected it to be. God still provides. There's something to be thankful for. The sky is still good. A few weeks ago, I watched as my three-year-old daughter, Lucy, picked overripe dandelions from our little front lawn. Well, she wasn't exactly picking the dandelions. She was ripping them from the ground and then she was blowing on them over and over again. She blew on the flowers until almost all of the overripe dandelions in our front lawn had been cast aside and laid to waste. Well, later that afternoon, as we were walking in the front door, Lucy pointed out some of the dandelions that she had abused. And she said, I tried to make a wish, but they weren't ready yet. And I looked at those abandoned white puffy tops and wondered how much further would they have had, had to grow and how much more did they need to age in order for them to be adequate for Lucy's wishes. It seems that Lucy has a pretty high standard for her dandelions and wishes. And so do we. While the Israelites encamped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month in the plains of Jericho. And this event marked the very first Passover for these Israelites. Even 
with the battles of life facing them in the dawn, they make time in the evening to honor God for a lifetime of freedom and provision. In other words, and here it is, while Gilgal might not have been what they expected, while Gilgal might not have been the perfect dandelion, it was good enough. It was a good enough place to worship God, and they were thanking God for the sky he gave them. A few years ago, I sat beside my wife at her grandfather's bedside. He was 93 years old and had recently been diagnosed with lung cancer, so we didn't know how long he had. And I listened as they reminisced about her childhood, now she'd play at his house and in his barn. And at one point, he looked at his sagging arms, his forearms, and he said, I remember when I was so robust. And then he licked his dry lips and he rubbed his bald head and he looked up to the ceiling and he said, you know, I don't have any regrets. I've had a good life. Thank you, God, for the sky you gave me. We didn't expect any number of things that have happened to us in recent months. We didn't expect to have worship in the way that we're worshiping, which sometimes takes us away from even worshiping at all. I mean, are you in there? Are you really in there? Really about the surrender of a worshiping heart in there? It's a fair question because we didn't expect the sky to be like it is. And neither did the Israelites. Was it so bad for the Israelites to expect Gilgal to be flowing with milk and honey? Surely it was not. But when they came ashore from Jordan's riverbank and they set up camp that evening with the great battle of Jericho on the horizon, they sat down and they worshiped, taking part in the Passover tradition for the first time in 40 years and that is how the Israelite people set the pace for all the people of God. No matter where life goes and what life throws and how life confuses, God's people are the kind of people that know that the sky will always be good enough. Even, it, even if it seems just barely good enough for worship. Because you know, even on the best night of summer camp, the sky will never be as starry as you remember it being once upon a time. Even in the most overgrown front lawn, the dandelions will never be perfectly ready for our wishes. But many of us will live to a deep old age and many of us will be lucky enough to close our lives with a conversation at the bedside with family and friends. What will that conversation be like? May you be able to laugh. May you be able to remember when things were robust. May you be hopeful about what lies ahead for the ones that you love. May you be at peace with how life did not turn out as expected. May the words, I had a good life, come easily to your lips that in all of your mountaintop moments and riverbank shores, the gift of your life was good enough for the heart of your worship. 
And may it be that you can join with all the campers around the embers of the fire in shouting, thank you, God, for the sky you gave us. Thank you, God, for the sky you gave us. Amen.